didn't make it for them. Uh, and, and so like here, my, my example, is I share it on Twitter and I get thousands of likes and, we get, and, and really beautiful comments, people saying that they cried and that it inspires them to do work. And I shared it on Facebook and I got four likes and two comments, one from my brother-in-law and one from my sister-in-law saying like, good job and congrats. And, like that. and so it wasn't an artwork made for normies and, and it doesn't connect with normies. And, that's, and that's, that wasn't its purpose, so, so it's fine. Um, and m maybe I'll do some art in the future that is intended to somehow be a bridge for people who live, as you described your friend does, who lives in the, and I don't want to say in the fiat world, but who lives, who lives outside of the beliefs, ambitions, commitments, convictions that Bitcoiners have to entice them and communicate to them what, what we offer, what we believe in. And uh, I, have, I haven't thought of how to do that, but it is, uh, it's like a, it's a, it's a new approach, I think, that would be, that would be interesting because right now we try to tell, we try to teach people by saying, look, it's incorruptible. It has a blockchain. It uses cryptography. It uses energy. It's secure. And that doesn't speak to the benefits. <laughs> it doesn't speak to you'll experience love and joy. <laughs> you'll experience uh, good night's sleep. You'll experience mental well-being. You'll experience less anxiety, which is a hard leap to take because, of course, if people thought something would improve their lives, they would choose it. Man, they, so they don't get it. Yeah. Well, it's a huge, like, it's a huge chasm of understanding, right? Really is what that is. Like, people don't, people who have not done the work, who have not studied it, really can't come to the same conclusions because they don't see the pathway. They don't understand the pathway, right? So that's our job. I'm not, I see your hand wake up. I'll get to you in one second, but that's our job, really. You're like, if you think about legacy media, you know what they're really, really good at? They're really good at shaping and programming people's minds in tiny itty bitty little increments towards what they're trying to go to and we need to figure out how do we take people where they are and give them one incremental step towards towards the orange pill you know like uh and it's like you said the whole mental health mental well-being part of it the hope the the being able to sleep at night the peace like the, the hope for for a better future that's possibly one of the most powerful benefits of bitcoin good morning wicked how you doing hey guys how's it going i'm doing doing pretty good um tomer saw your video last night uh very good video very inspiring definitely brought a tear to my eye you know if i'm being honest <laughs> um yeah no i mean i was i, I was also thinking um yeah i mean uh I can see where you're saying, you know, where you're coming from when you're saying that it's not meant for the normies, uh, and, and you know, it might not strike the same chord for them. Um, and one thing that kind of stood out to me when I was watching it was there was this emphasis on, you know, the future is bright for our families, right? I think you said that a couple times, um, and I, and I took that to mean, you know, for the families who who have Bitcoin, right? And I'm wondering if the normies might be more <laughs> influenced if we focus on how the future is not bright for your families because you don't have Bitcoin. 
Um, and I know that's like, you know, it's, it's a totally different approach. Um, and it's kind of one that I don't know if we want to go that route because, you know, mm-hmm. like we don't really like the way that, that, you know, mainstream media uses fear. And I'm not a yeah. huge fan of that. But at the same yeah. time, it's effective. Right? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say this about it. I, I, I personally don't intend to use, use fear because I don't believe that fear is persuasive to people's reason. I, I, I know enough brain science to know that that's true. Fear is persuasive, not to the neocortex, which is where your higher executive rational functions are in your brain. It's persuasive to your amygdala, which is the fight, flight, or freeze portion of your brain, which is which is not which which can't tell reality from fiction, and which is why narratives are so effective at triggering the amygdala. Um, but having having said that, I think presenting different views of the future and letting people choose which future it came to me last night as a you know and i mentioned this on the twitter spaces that bitcoin magazine hosted last night about the video drop ahead in your experience you get in there it doesn't doesn't feel like a beautiful like it doesn't feel like a future i want to be in it, it is um it is the metaverse <laughs> for people who've read um uh what's the book uh, uh, snow, snow crash. crash yeah snow crash it is the world that many people live in in that somewhat dystopian uh, novel, which I love, uh, and I, I do recommend people read. And I actually go by the the uh, protagonist's uh, pseudonym over there in on uh, Telegram, which is is a great book. Its protagonist is named Hero Protagonist. H I R O is how he spells his first name, which is very clever. Uh, but he li- he lives in the metaverse, and at least in the metaverse over there, it's a high res thing, and people go to it because it's so beautiful compared to the shitty dystopian world around them, right? I, I, I would say like, how about we not have to go into the metaverse because we have a beautiful world, beautiful, clean world around us. But that's the one contrast. And, and I point out the other contrast is the contrast of the, glo- is the other future is the future of the globalist, the World Economic Foundation, who keeps telling us we should live with less prosperity, we should live in pods, we should eat bugs, we should own nothing. It's not, it's a really, uh, ugly vision of the future, and it's one that's not based off of abundance, but based off of this increasing scarcity, which is, I, I don't know where it comes from, to be honest. It just seems so purely evil to me um, that it, it just seems to come from, from like a demonic place of wanting to, you, you can't steal enough from the population at large that you need to make them poorer and poorer and poorer and increase their slavery. Maybe there's something else to it. I can't see it. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is, but it's why I, I, you know, if I'm given only these three choices, it seems like an easy choice, and and that is a choice that appeals not to my fear, but to my reason and to my love and to my joy and to my care for for other human beings and myself. So that, that's how I would like to expand on this in a way that might be suited to people who are not yet Bitcoiners. But there there are all these cat it's interesting how it feel how the other two visions feel to normies kind of obvious. It, because they've bought in in the case of the World Economic Foundation, I think they've bought into a view that we are abusing the earth, which is actually true. And there but it's the therefore, therefore we need to live less um less abundant lives. Right. We need uh, we need to constrain what we consume because production, by definition, 
is harmful. And I think I think this is where Bitcoiners have a much more reasonable view. Not all production is bad, right? Production for the sake of quarterly profits at, without truth, without benefit to human beings is bad. And that's the system that we unfortunately have seen our modern day capitalism evolve into, which it's no longer capitalism. It's this cronyism. Um, and I, I, like, I, I can't get into the whole thing right now, but that's what it's evolved into. And we, we don't approve of that. And, and then the Mark Zuckerberg way out is like, we're not going to fix the world. We are going to live in pods, but we'll make the pods expansive virtually by strapping uh, a virtual reality headset on. And you won't be breathing fresh air. You won't be feeling the sun on your face. You won't be smelling fresh flowers. You won't be tasting fresh food. But, you know, you, you'll be floating around and you'll, your avatar will be, I don't know, some cosmic monkey or something. And you'll own NFTs. It's just, I, I'm just not creepy. interested in it. It's creepy. The whole thing is creepy. I think my yeah. my avatar would definitely be an, an apple, though. Obviously, right? Yeah, I could, <laughs> I could like I I uh, have to agree with Tomer. Like, if you think about it in terms of human behavior and what drives people to do what they do, there's a saying that everyone is either running from something or running to something. And for most people, it's a combination of both, right? There's people are human beings are motivated by getting away from pain and moving towards what they perceive as pleasure or good. And it's the carrot and stick. It's the ancient, you know, it's the ancient way of motivating humans. So the current sort of call them what you will, the, the fiat people are all about motivating people through fear right now. And I and I personally think that as bitcoiners we should stay away from that as much as possible we want to be the carrot we want to be the hope we want to be the love the joy the peace the other part of the equation the light at the end of the tunnel like that's our mission and if we start associating ourselves with the with the fiat people i'm not saying you can't use some of this right but like overall i think we need to emphasize the message of of the light Uh, a couple of quick housekeeping items. Good morning to everybody. Welcome to Bitcoin Breakfast Club. We're talking about why Bitcoin is hope. Um, there was a really cool movie that was published last night. Tomer worked on it. Um, it's up in the nest. If you want to see it, it's up on YouTube. Uh, welcome to everybody. We do these Monday through Friday starting at 7 a.m. Pacific. We're recording this. It's going to go up as a podcast later. Shout out to Sats Radio for recording if you have questions um and you want to send a dm don't dm me because i don't ever look at that stuff stranger than fiction is up here as a speaker if you want to shoot a dm directly to her she's keeping track of dms that will then later be fed in as possible questions for the panel go ahead wicked okay so uh i also i wanted to bring up one more Point kind of regarding the, the video and, and one thing that ma it made me think of um, and I don't know if anyone else kind of thought of this uh, but I also don't know if it's very effective to romanticize these days of past when you know we were building castles and living in <laughs> citadels back then like the nobles had their citadels because I, I believe back then historically it was I mean it was very you know segregated between nobles and peasants and when i see those castles it kind of 
makes me think of that time when there were the haves and the have-nots. Um, and I'm wondering if anyone else kind of, you know, might think that way too when they see these castles up on hills that were obviously built by slaves and servants and had nobles in them that were catered to by slaves and servants. And I'm wondering, I mean, you know, maybe that is the future. <laughs> and, and again, you know, maybe we don't want to go down this route of being pessimistic because we're trying to talk about why Bitcoin is hope. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if we're going to go in a, in a, in a, if we're moving towards a future where Bitcoiners have castles, um, is it realistic that everybody in the world, you know, will be able to participate in that way? You know, it's a, it's a great question. And, um, the words that I wrote said that these families built dynasties, the families that by that invested in the 2020s in Bitcoin and by 2109, you know, which is which is 80 years from now. It's like four generations from now um, or three generations, depending on how long you take to produce a generation in your family. It's 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 a ways away. and it's hard, especially in stock footage, to find what represents dynasties. For me, I, uh, I look at some of those things. Those castles aren't like castles where one family lived, right? Many of them are, uh, sit, are what we might call citadels. Like hundreds or thousands of people lived within the protected walls. And yes, there was, there was a monarch, presumably, or a lord or, you know, some some high ranking authority in them. And I, and I sympathize with that, but they weren't always evil and they were, it wasn't always slavery, right? There was kindness. I, I don't know how many of you will have watched um, the TV show Downton Abbey, which, uh, which tells the story of the, of the noble family and the servants in this Abbey. And it's a really beautiful show. I, I watched it, but I know, I know not, not many young people did, and I they came, I know it for a fact because when they made a movie and I went to the theater, I was the only person who didn't have white hair sitting in the theater. Um, so it, it definitely appealed to an an older crowd. But um, there is there was there was a benevolence uh, amongst that particular noble family. They were they were truly noble, and they they cared about their servants. They, like I think today we have this view that people treat servants like garbage. They're ungrateful and thankless and unconcerned with them and disposable. And this this was certainly not the attitude. And I don't think in a future that's got Bitcoin as its standard and that, and that servants get paid in Bitcoin and then have the freedom to take their Bitcoin with them wherever they want to go, uh, a, a family who, who mistreats uh, its, its suppliers will find generations of success they will collapse just as businesses did under capitalism that tried to pass their businesses on to ch children in the family who weren't who were not worthy and capable of sustaining the company there's actually a, a saying in capitalism uh that goes from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations you can look it up but what it means is you know the entrepreneur who started with barely a shirt um and built a fortune by the time his grandson took over that grandson ended up back in shirt sleeves because they blew the fortune because they became uh, too comfortable or too arrogant. So there, there's a responsibility that does not go away by you buying Bitcoin. 
it is, and I tried to make sure that that was pre repeatedly projected in the narration of the video, right? These families are responsible. They work hard. They're honest. Uh, that's the only way to maintain your fortune. Because if you're if you're lazy, your your money will not protect you. Your money is a, your money is a means to use your responsibility to build things. It, that's what capital is for. It's for constructing things, and the capital itself, which is Bitcoin, will be recycled. Right? You will spend it on something, and it will go back into the economy. But you'll build a dynasty. Uh, so I, I I don't want to sound defensive about your criticism of the images. I did, I didn't know what else to put in there, and along with the beautiful music and those beautiful aerial shots, wasn't so bad. Um, but you know, if 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 you have a suggestion of something else that I could imagine and envision there, I um, I consider it for future things. It's uh, it's part of the part of the creative process, I guess. Is you can't have absolute perfection, especially when you're on a as tight a budget as we were, and we're just using stock footage. Yeah, I'd say C CGI, uh, <laughs> some CGI citadels of the future. Yeah, I mean, I'd lo I'd love right, like, and th those are like the, I I'm trying to remember. Um, Disney did this movie where they were they kind of had this projection, and I'm trying to remember it was based off of some ride in Disney World. I can't remember what it was. It wasn't a very successful movie, but it it projected like these kids. They found these coins, and and they, they revealed that there was this futuristic society. I, it wasn't called Epcot the movie, but it felt like it was in what Epcot would be in the future. And the people were like on these um, floating trains through this beautiful city with glass skyscrapers that were like all made out of clear glass, not steel even. And it was just, just and everyone wore these beautiful like you know reflective uniforms that people would be envisioned wearing in the future. I, like I, I think I think that type of organic citadel is is what we'll actually end up building. It won't be castles with bricks around them and moats around them. It'll be it'll be kind of these loving, beautiful things where we'll envision something that reflects perpetuity, right? Long time horizons in in what we build. Maybe maybe all of our buildings will always be unfinished and being built the same way as the blockchain is this perpetually added onto construct. Or maybe we'll have sculptures that reflect that. It's hard to know exactly exactly what will materialize because that'll be the work of future architects and future artists. But it'll be reflective of this, and and obviously it won't ref it won't be a carbon copy of things we did hundreds of years ago as we did them hundreds of years ago, reflecting the culture of hundreds of years ago. It'll be it'll be this new culture that we have where we have technology in harmony with humanity, technology in harmony with uh, nature. And it'll be it'll be spectacular to behold. I'm thinking like Wakanda or uh, Akon City. Yeah. Have you seen the the images of Akon City? I don't think I've seen Akon City. I know I know what you're talking about when you talk about Wakanda, though. Boy, D Disney's like created Disney and Marvel. They, they've created the because they have the budgets, right, <laughs> to create these wonderfully imaginative, uh, peaceful at at peace with nature things. And and I guess. Um, I, I keep forgetting all of the mythology of Black Panther, but there's some alien element that they possess or something that gives them the power to have uh, have this and and live in hiding in nature. Boy, that really does feel like they found Bitcoin, right? Like that. What a, does anyone here remember what the element that gives Wakanda and Black Panther its power is? 
I guess. I'll look it up. One second. I was gonna say. I guess not. I was gonna. I was gonna say like. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I like the castle imagery. I'll take a castle. You know, even if I'm a citizen in a castle, I just like it. It's cool. It's very cool imagery. Yeah, well, well, I, I think I, everybody. I, I everybody. Go ahead. So, so I when I used to watch uh, Downton Abbey. It, it covered the lives of the nobility and the servants who served them. I would always, after I watch it, clean my house. Like I felt, I felt, I felt this pride that the servants had in maintaining a beautiful house, and and they took pride in, in their work to to maintain this beautiful thing. They didn't do it out of misery. They they had purpose, and uh, and it gave me this sense of purpose. And I, I would go and polish my countertops and my kitchen cabinetry and and vacuum. Because I sensed that um, that the, the proof of work, right? Like I, that the work creates its proof, and in in that particular case, it creates a clean, beautiful house for my family to live in. Uh, and and it was inspired by the by the servants, not the nobility of of that. It's it it becomes a sense of purpose, right? There's a sense of purpose in stewardship. That's what a lot of people that have lost. In, in the newer generations, they don't understand that. It's just simple, right? There's dignity in all work is the saying, even if it's simple work. But if it's part of a greater purpose, there's there's dignity in that. As long as you're not being exploited for your, for your labor is what it comes down to. And what's kind of uh, interesting to me is, is that a lot of the feedback on the movie is, well, that's very, that's very fairy tale-ish. Like, how do you get there? One thing that we've never seen on this planet is honest energy arbitrage globally. And that's really um, what Bitcoin offers the opportunity for. I remember this conversation we had with Lord Fusatua from Tonga a couple of weeks ago where he was outlining the vision for Tonga where they have 21 volcanoes. And his plan is to put um, geothermal power everywhere they have volcanoes and and build up a, a 1600 megawatt power production grid and the nation of tonga requires 200 mega, megawatts to run which leaves 1400 megawatts of power and he's already talked to engineers and, and engineering companies about this 1400 megawatts of power to build bitcoin mining infrastructure and if you think about it like this like when i was in the military um, I was a Desert Storm era veteran, and we were over there, and it was amazing to me because we were in um, Kuwait and, and the UAE, those kind of areas. They have some of the highest per capita wealth in the world. Why? Because they're tiny little countries that are sitting on massive oil reserves. It's all about energy, right? So I can see the same thing happening with Tonga. I can see in the future. Tonga being a very wealthy nation because they have massive stockpiles of geothermal energy that are basically completely renewable, completely clean, can run them forever, and they're going to be super efficient. Now, why does that matter for everybody else in the world? Well, it matters because Bitcoin is energy arbitrage. This is what a lot of people don't get about money. Money is really storing energy. Like take it take it down to first principles, right? What is wealth? Wealth is the excess of whatever it takes to put basic necessities in your life, right? You need to eat food. You need to have a roof over your head. You need to have clothes on your back. You need to have heating, cooling, water, all that basic, basic kind of stuff. Up and above what you spend from what you earn, 
to provide for those things could be considered wealth. Your next question becomes, well, how do I store that wealth? Because money is really like a battery for redeploying your time and your energy, your wealth into the future, right? You can hire other people. You can employ it by hiring their energy. So this is just a massive energy arbitrage. So back to the whole thing about, well, the movie's got these amazing ideas. Like, how do we get to that? Well, we've never seen a world where you have perfect energy arbitrage across the entire globe before. It's always been a small number of people control this stuff and they issue the money, right? That's not happening anymore with Bitcoin. So we have this amazing opportunity to see what kind of a society we can build on that as a base layer. And it's it's mind-blowing what the potential opportunities are. Right. No, we're talking about energy, and I, I just want to rewind a little bit. We were talking about what was the metal or what was the substance in Wakanda, and someone texted me. It was called vibranium, and I just Googled vibranium, it, and it's it, it, it's a fictional metal appearing in the American comic books published by Marvel Comics, noted for its extraordinary abilities to absorb, store, and release large amounts of kinetic energy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, oh, so it's Bitcoin. Uh, and I think the only the only problem with the vibranium is that uh, it, it came in a meteor mm-hmm. that struck where where uh, Wakanda was then formed. Right. So they were the only ones who actually had access. Yeah. To it. So it actually, it, it looks like from the mythology of it, there's uh, there's other pieces because it, it first appeared apparently in uh, Daredevil and 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 there's a couple of other things. But it's like so it came from space. Okay. So it's Bitcoin. <laughs> and it and it landed in what in, in this case it landed in Wakanda. In our case, it landed in the Bitcoin cypherpunk in the in the cypherpunk mailing list uh, 13 years ago. A couple plus two days plus two days. Um, so it, it, it's amazing how <laughs> sometimes when we can look to the comic books um, and these hero things to really uh, tell in their own way the story of us. For for those who are fans of the M Night Shyamalan. Uh, if I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, trilogy that begins with Unbreakable and then has Split and then has Shattered as uh, as its stories. It's kind of it's it's similar theme. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, really great trilogy. Obviously, has three greatest films besides maybe Sixth Sense, uh, which is his his one greatest film. But since we're talking about art here, that's some great that's some great art there. Yeah, I like that. I I have another one, Tomer. I I uh, I've likened Bitcoin before to Ultron, another Marvel character from the comics. But Ultron, for those who don't know, is an and uh, like a, a robot that was made, and it's like a super intelligent artificial intelligence. And what it does, it has like one really unique power. I mean, obviously, it's super awesome. I think its armor may have vibranium in it or adamantium. I don't know, but it has one really cool power, which is when you kill it, it it basically like uh, reconstitutes, if I understand it correctly, like reconstitutes or whatever. But it like you can't kill it twice the same way. So like when you see Ultron again, oh my God, yeah, like if you if you finally figure out how to beat Ultron, right. it's like you're awesome. You killed him and you guys are happy. And then it's like, oh, my gosh, Ultron's back. But guess yeah. what? None of that stuff works anymore. And okay, that, so, so that's totally Bitcoin, right? That's yeah, Bitcoin. I, I, I have an article, if you Google my name in the follow, following, uh, why everything that should hurt Bitcoin only makes it stronger. And it actually covers this exact point about Bitcoin, right? Like, first of all, it's very strong. It's very hard to kill. But any attack that you throw at it will figure out how to defend against it. 
And now that attack doesn't work anymore. So I, I, I say in the article, attack Bitcoin, please. This is it. This is the notion of anti-fragility. It learns how to withstand each attack uh, that it encounters. And it is, I, I also say in that article, it's one of my favorite things I've ever written. I say, it's the greatest war. Bitcoin is the greatest warrior gladiator the world has ever seen. Because every fight of it is on display in public for everyone to witness. Uh, so it, it is this gladiatorial spectacle uh, as China tries to attack it by banning Bitcoin. And as, you know, I'm trying to think like India bans it or somebody else attacks it and some, some hacker tries to launch some kind of denial of service spam attack. And we just watch and we watch it defeat this attack. And eventually the opponent gets exhausted. And the one beautiful thing about Bitcoin, I don't know about Ultron, is Bitcoin is totally peaceful. Bitcoin doesn't attack back. Right? Bitcoin does means no harm to China. It does nothing to China. It does nothing to those who spammed its blockchain. It leaves them in peace uh, because it doesn't need to fight back because it can withstand their attack in the same way you don't need to fight back a snowflake that uh, lands on your cheek. You don't need to do make war against the weather. It just it doesn't affect you. Yeah, Ultron is <laughs> an apex predator. I mean, he's trying to destroy everybody and take over the multiverse. But but uh, I think that, and from the human perspective, no, Bitcoin won't do that to us, I don't think. But from the fiat perspective, it does still carry that same, you know, sense of destruction and devourability, if that's even right. a word. Well, I mean, th this is a very important point that I, I, I distinguishing point that I want to make that I, that I disagree with you. I have, I have no animosity towards you, but I just Bitcoin is not what's destroying the fiat system. The fiat system is self-destructive. Bitcoin is not doing anything to destroy it. It is it is our lifeboat from a self-destructive system. And like the lifeboats did not sink the Titanic, right? Um, and Bitcoin is the the lifeboat. It is not. It is not doing any attack. It is if the fiat system was sound and credible and valuable, there's nothing that Bitcoin's doing to it to harm it. The problem is it's not a sound system. It's not a stable system. It's not able to endure. And history shows us in the past that fiat systems do not sustain themselves, and the present day shows us that fiat systems do not sustain themselves. Now. It'll be obvious. It will obviously happen that as Bitcoin assumes more and more of people's view of what money is in the world, that those who are attached to the fiat system will blame Bitcoin. But it's why it's so important that we're aware that Bitcoin wasn't the cause, right? Like Bitcoin came after the financial crisis. And the financial crisis occurred before Bitcoin, so Bitcoin could not have been the cause of of these capitalist or this fiat financial crises. It is here to be an alternative, to be a path out towards a different future, one that doesn't encounter collapse, which is exactly the message of the movie, right? Like this time, those families were saved. They did not have to face the collapse as they have had to face over and over and over in history like they did in 1948. I like that. So, yeah, 30-second hit to change my mind. I, I'll adopt that perspective. I agree. It's like. Bitcoin isn't destroying fiat like I was thinking. Fiat is destroying fiat, and Bitcoin is just humming along, doing its thing, doing what it was designed to do. That's my view for sure. Yeah, I think it's I think it's accurate. 
I will say though, however, uh, you know, with with Bitcoin being in, in ex, uh, escape hatch, uh, it will lead to the collapse of fiat quicker, because you know fiat needs fiat needs users in order to stay alive, and so once the users leave, it collapses. Yeah. So if I, if I keep going with my Titanic analogy, if there's plenty of lifeboats, people will flee the lifeboat out. Will flee the Titanic after it's struck the iceberg and they won't not as many will have to go down with the ship but that's a good right zoom out that's a good thing right there's there shouldn't be anyone aboard the titanic saying stay you know it'll somehow float like it struck the iceberg 23 trillion dollars of debt or 200 trillion dollars of debt or whatever at some point we got to admit that this thing is taken on water really 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 fast which is like maybe the analogy is the amount of the speed of money printing as it accelerates that's like that's water f- flooding into the cabins and sinking the ship. So I'm uh, actually um, texting a client right now. Um, so just continue on without me. Tomer, assume you're the host for now. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Who's got questions? <laughs> are we going to go comic books, Titanic, uh, science fiction? How else are we going to analyze Bitcoin this morning as hope? Get Dr. Jeff Ross up here and ask him about vibranium. That should be an interesting conversation. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I don't I have co-host ability, so um, yeah. anyone who You're, wants to raise their hand. I invited him up, Tomer. And welcome, Corey. How are you this morning? Good morning, everyone. I don't want to get too off right. topic. I saw that you're, uh, I saw that you mentioned Titanic a couple times. You know, um, I don't know if you've ever read Creature from the Black Lagoon or, or, you know, gone down the rabbit holes of like, you know, some of the conspiracy theories around what happened really to the Titanic around the timeline of 1908 and what was coming five years later and stuff like that. But that's a, whether you believe it or not, it's a very interesting, part of the lexicon in our history and now with bitcoin here it's just i think about that all the time i don't even know if i believe it uh so i have no idea what this is i i know i it's funny i, I mentioned downton abbey earlier and, and in the premiere episode of downton abbey that that's the plot gets going because some of these noblemen died aboard the titanic and so someone who's not as noble needs to come in to replace them so that there's lineage and so you end up with a someone who's more of a commoner now finding themselves in the noble life, which creates the drama and the, in, and the interesting story here. But I have no idea about any of these um, other interesting theories uh, that, you're, that you're mentioning there about what happened in the, uh, aboard the Titanic or what, it's, what the cause was. Yeah, I mean, I would say just, you know, do your own research. You know, I don't want to get, uh, get shadow banned or, or get canceled or anything by the powers that be. Again, it's probably just a conspiracy. But nowadays they say conspiracy theorists are right. Yeah, right. But it, uh, like, are, are we, does Jack have fact checkers about Titanic conspiracy theorism? Like, does it go that far back? I mean, no, no. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, so, so I may get it wrong. I mean, like I said, check it out. But I mean, the idea is there were, I guess, some very influential people aboard that ship. And uh, as we all know, and uh, uh, apparently many of those folks were uh, 
against the idea, allegedly against the idea of the creation of the Federal Reserve, which was coming, um, you know, in, in 1913 uh, in a secret meeting, basically, in Jekyll Island, uh, off of Savannah, Georgia's coast. But anyway, um, the theory basically, you know, nuts and bolts is that this ship was sunk with all of those and, you know, very powerful, very vocal uh, anti-Fed system uh, people aboard. And then Titanic sunk. And then, of course, 1913, the Federal Reserve, you know, sprung into existence meeting in Jekyll Island. So again, I don't know if I believe it. It's just something I think about, you know, especially from reading that book, Jekyll Island. So I, I gotta oh. chime in and uh, I gotta caveat this by saying that I have not read Jekyll Island, haven't looked a ton into the history of the Fed, and haven't read the book that uh Danielle Booth recommends instead. But uh this topic came up uh Jekyll Island on one of our shows probably a year ago with uh with Danielle Booth. Maybe the one where we had her on with um, Sailor, actually, I'm not sure. And uh, and she said basically that the Jekyll Island book is full of shit and factual inaccuracies. She worked at the Fed for like a decade and studied it a lot of her professional life. And uh, the book she recommends is uh, Lords of Finance, which uh, evidently is a much higher standard of good research and uh, and facts. So just uh, throwing that out there. So, so they Lords of Finance. I'm going to check it out. Like I said, I mean, I don't even know if I believe it, but it's just one of those things. I mean, it's out there, so I have to kind of take a look at it at least. You know? Yeah, that one, that one in particular, the whole Jekyll Island obsession, like way predates Bitcoin and kind of comes into the Bitcoin recommendation list through and you know off the grid libertarians and stuff like that. And doesn't mean I know much about the truth or what's not true. I just know what uh, people that I tend to sort of uh, look to as uh, better curators of the truth don't push much stock in that one. It's a bit, yeah, it's a heck of a movie though. But why did she throw the diamond away? That's the one that still gets to me. You know, Bro, like, it's an NFT now. Uh, the diamond is burned, but the NFT lives on. <laughs> That's great. If only they had NFTs back then, everything would have been okay. We could have just taken NFTs aboard of all the passengers, and they'd still be alive. Well, you just have to upload, uh, you know, Leo into the cloud and like keep his consciousness alive, and then there's something for all these ladies to do when they're plugged into their <laughs> uh, beta VR sets. Oh, gee, <laughs> that's great! Great comedy. Tomer, did you tell everybody how uh, how Bitcoin solves the uh, the death of the sun and how we're not going to die when the sun blows up? Uh, I, I haven't on this call yet, uh, but, <laughs> but but there there is uh, for those of you who uh, want to follow. I, I've I've done a couple of pieces of Bitcoin art, I suppose. This movie is is one of them. It, it projects the future a hundred years out, but you know we Bitcoin's going to. I view that Bitcoin is going to help us uh, survive for a really long time. And I've got a very short story on my medium called Moving Heaven and Earth. And so, again, if you Google my name and Moving Heaven and Earth, you'll find this short story. But but the upshot of it is 
you know, we've only got a couple of hundred million years, a few hundred million years here before the sun uh, starts to expand. It's actually, it's, it's continuously expanding, but very slowly. And the climate was different in part when the dinosaurs were around because the earth was, um, uh, the, the sun was less bright and there was more carbon dioxide and all, all this stuff, but it continues to change. And, and unfortunately, in about 400 million years, it'll just be so hot that it'll scorch the earth. And then in about a billion years, it'll expand to consume the earth. And uh, so that's bad. Uh, you may think it's not in your lifetime, so you don't have to worry about it, but we should worry about all life on earth and preserving it. And uh, and I point out that uh, with Bitcoin, we will actually become masters of energy because it can it, Bitcoin can consume all the energy that the sun outputs. It's got a cumulative proof of work var variable, which shows which chain, which version of the chain is the valid one. It's the one that has the most cumulative proof of work. And that's a 256-bit storage point. So it can actually store a number as big as all the energy in the universe. Um, and so at, as we become masters of energy, we will become much more capable as a species. We'll be able to do things like move asteroids, which right now is beyond our ability, right? If there was an asteroid coming at the Earth, we wouldn't be really be able to stop it right now, even with our nuclear weapons, despite what certain uh, sci-fi films from the 90s suggest. Um, and we might even be able to move planets. We might even be able to move the sun. And so I, I, I project that we will, in the story, that we will actually be able to change the course of the sun, which is floating through the galaxy, to redirect it towards the direction of a younger star. And it'll be a journey, again, of 100 million years or, or so to get there. But by the time we get to the younger star, we'll be able to maneuver the Earth into position around the, our new sun and, uh, and bid farewell to the sun that has served us very well for 4 billion years, but whose life is, um, is coming to an end. I uh, posit that we might also be able to extend its life by you know, flying it through large hydrogen clouds, uh, which will refuel the sun along along the way. But you talk about low time preference. Bitcoin gives Bitcoin gave me a really low time preference. It made me want to think in terms of billions of years as opposed to decades. That's really wild. The idea of positioning our planet it makes you think because you know for a long time they've said that you know there's all these planets around all these stars, but they mm -hmm. can't support life because you know they're not within the so-called Goldilocks zone of you know perfect distance from the sun but i mean imagine it's not just moving around your own stuff i mean when you start talking about that i'm thinking about terraforming the local universe you know like not that's not the right word terraforming but moving the planets into position to spring into some life mm. it's crazy crazy stuff but it's man. all possible right like and I, I think this is we have the science fiction of the 19th 50s and 60s was was very optimistic optimistic like the story that i just it, it, it even took for granted that we would colonize the entire galaxy and and have you know interstellar travel uh it was early in the space age and but but we knew einstein's equations we, we knew that you couldn't travel faster than light or at least didn't think we could but it still maintained this very optimistic uh, perspective and it was it was only probably around 1971 give or take a couple of years, that science fiction became all about zombies and, uh, and this dystopian view of the world. And, uh, and lo and behold, it projected uh, in many ways the civilization that we have. And I, I'm hopeful that, again, Bitcoin being hope uh, restores hope into science fiction, which is, which is again, what, what the story I just told you, of, what, what the movie that we're talking about, it really is. It's a, it's a message of, science fiction hope 
science fiction doesn't have to be robots going around. It, it can just be us living with a technology that allows us to live at peace with nature and, and the planet. And, you know, and the, these two stories of mine that I shared, they coexist in the same universe. And like we are living in 2109 in harmony with the earth for thousands of years, for actually for millions and billions of years. And we're, and we're moving the whole solar system to another location in the galaxy where it will be, you know, we're, we're planning ahead for the future where we can have another star when our current one burns out, just like, you know, you replace the batteries in your phone uh, or, or in, you know, in your devices. We need to replace the battery on our civilization every 4 billion years or so. We can do that. There's no reason to go up in flames when the battery runs out. I would, I would maybe take that a step further, Tomer, and posit that if we um, truly become masters of energy, then in the future, we'll probably be able to create uh, wormholes and uh, bend space-time and travel to other solar systems instantaneously. So I just came back to the conversation I've been having at <laughs> with, a, with a Swan private client who's thinking about placing a very large sum with us. And like... Where has this gone? <laughs> <laughs> 5D, baby. Wow. Well, you, you put Tomer in charge, so it's all on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get. That's what you get. You put me in charge, and we're going to be talking about billion, the sun expanding time frames yeah. and wormholes. <laughs> what have you people done <laughs> with the breakfast club? Um, I see Gabor. Uh, Gerbacks in the audience. I, I sent I threw you uh, an invite to come up, Gabor. If you want to come up, please save us. I'm just kidding. Um, Gabor is going to be with us tomorrow morning. By the way, for those of you who want to join us tomorrow, we're going to be doing a, um, a special with Gabor talking about the new Vanek ETF that they're launching. He is the man to be talking about that. So looking forward to it. Put it in your calendar. Awesome. That is very exciting. Um, in the meantime, Jonas, you have popped up and popped down, and now you're back up and wondering if you had something you wanted to contribute to the conversation before we do move on. Yeah, sorry about that. I had some technical difficulties on my end. Um, yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Long-time listener, first time to be speaking up. Um, earlier when we were talking about um, uh, Ultron, I remembered that there's something I've used when uh, talking to some of my friends about Bitcoin that uh um i've compared it to uh well to ultron or to the borg from star trek or um oh uh what's it called um from uh the terminator series uh help me out here someone remembers what it's called again um the terminator yeah well the terminator of course but the uh the overall computer um oh skynet, skynet. Skynet, oh, uh, from like Terminator 3 and stuff, where it uh, goes all around the world. There was no system core and that all that kind of stuff. But then I, I flip around. Skynet. Yeah, yeah, Skynet. Then I flip it around for them and say, it's like all those things, but it protects our human rights. It's in the hands of the good guys. Really, it's in no one's hands in reality. But um, it does something good, something beneficial, not just for humans, but for every plant, every animal, for the whole planet, for our future everything um and uh so a while ago that's that was just the thought that i had there and i wanted to share that yeah i love that the uh the idea i mean i i hope bitcoin doesn't become self-aware one day i mean it may i mean who knows you know might already be 
It may just be messing with us on all these charts and just like messing with all the traders and stuff. Who knows? So, <laughs> but uh, so I, I, for everybody in the, oh, go I ahead, Tomer. I have, um, I have an article as well where I, <laughs> you know, like here we go again. Uh, it's called uh, "How Bitcoin is Like a Giant Cybernetic Meta Brain." That's the title. Okay, of stop, it. stop, stop. I've changed. <laughs> I've changed the title of the space to the appropriate <laughs> conversation format. Well, they don't call me Check the title. for nothing. That's about more accurate, right? You may continue. <laughs> there we go. Uh, this, and I think, I think uh, I was actually just emailing back and forth with Peter McCormack yesterday. I think he wants to have me on his show to discuss this particular article. But it, again, in the sense of distributed benevol and benevolent. Um, I, I what I point out, and, and here we all are. I, I actually, it's a bit. It's my most challenging article because it's technical and it begins by talking a little bit about brain science. I know I've, I've mentioned brain science before on this call already, but the brain Alexander. is composed of it's a network of neurons, and neurons are these cells that have. Um, yeah, they're of course, like hey, sorry guys, I can't hear um, Alex for some reason. I can hear humble and tone. Let me uh, leave and rejoin. I'll see if they fix it once we go. Oh, oh, no, it's, it's not you, Stefan. It's not you. It's at the very tip of your Right, and it's the longest cell in your body. They have these. Two oh, gotcha. Parts of okay, gotcha. One is called okay, the okay. dendrite. Yeah, so I mean, it's yeah, uh, yeah, I missed, uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on there. That's, uh, that's why they form a network. And one is called the axon, on. which is like the. the yeah, because I can see Alex's audio line is still moving. But I guess and these have many connections, right? Both of them. Oh, it shows muted on my connections. And I got a message. The axon terminal can have thousands of connections. So, gotcha. Okay. So I ask you, yeah, I mean, I just I just think there's such a you can have big opportunity. And you can um, have the people, people that you yeah, can really follow. get and to get into it and same. like the same just structure take, the, take back whatever freedom they can. Uh, and, uh, and I just think each of the only people are kind of sleeping, sleeping on it, sleeping at the wheel. But at the same time, we are starting to see some mass masses like slowly realizing inflation is a lot. So, yeah, I think that's there. Just like every cell. And I think Alex might have brought someone up, but stranger, stranger than fiction, Suzanne. So, maybe if you've got a question. Do you want to and, and go ahead? These, ne these neurons send signals out to one another. And when the signal uh, gets to somebody else, that's, that's what you've heard. You've heard the expression a synapse or an action potential. Like when the, when the electrical impulse gets across a synapse, then it's received by another neuron. And uh, when I tweet, my followers, many of them receive the signal. And, uh, and in this article, I, I liken, I, I draw this parallel between Bitcoiners with their nodes and their connections of followers and people who follow them uh, to the structure of a synapse and the, and, the, and the network structure of a brain. And I point out, this is at a meta level, it looks a lot like a brain. And, and what is it thinking? Well, it's thinking the thoughts that we are sharing with each other. It's thinking Bitcoin is hope. It's thinking Bitcoin can solve the energy problem. It's act and it's not just thinking the idea, it's solving the idea. Well, how is it thinking to solve the idea? Well, that's us. That's Nick Carter writing an article about how Bitcoin's energy use is not harmful. It's uh, Ross Stevens writing about stranded energy and, and these signals propagating to the rest of us and us integrating them and incorporate them. And me, me writing an article about it, how Bitcoin's energy use is not environmentally harmful and, other, and my followers seeing that and them integrating it and incorporating it. And then this movie getting made. And that's so when we talk about awareness. Our community is aware and sharing in a different way than any other community. And you, you actually, you look, you look at the internet 
so when I first published this article, people said, well, isn't that true of any community? I said, well, no, look, all the other communities are fragmenting and fracturing and people are at each other's throats. The, the internet makes enemies between people, but it makes friends between Bitcoiners, right? Pause, pause to think about that for a second, guys, right? Like the internet has just created everywhere you look, people are at each other's throats on the internet, arguing with each other. And here we all are building our community, more and more people joining, more and more finding consensus uh, and agreement on what it is that and solving problems right, is very it's very different. And because it reflects and resembles the structure of a brain, which in which solves problems and and looks after and cares for all of the cells within within the organism. So I think it's a, like, to me, it's a very interesting article and I've been thinking about it. It's been quite a number of months since I've published it and I, I keep looking for falsifying data. And again, I'm not trying to say like Bitcoin is conscious and you can talk to it. It's almost like you're a neuron within your, like we're neurons within the, the overall brain and our neurons don't talk to us individually and our brain doesn't think that much about its individual neurons. But it kind of a, at this meta level, there's some similar uh, relationship and we are all invested in preserving the life of and uh, aiding the consciousness or the thinking of and the survival of Bitcoin. So it's very lifelike and it's very brain-like. And I know Brandon Quidham has a great article on how it's very mycelium-like and Gigi has an article about how it's proof of, it's called proof of life, how it's lifelike. So I think these are very fascinating fields of philosophy to study because these are this it's an original phenomenon and how it's evolving and adapting is really fascinating can i add one point to that actually it's really interesting like people often um this is uh, my background is uh, many of you probably don't notice is in uh, discrete mathematics and like graph theory which is kind of like the the backbone of network science and and study things like the brain and one of the interesting phenomena um that i looked into uh, is with a professor called Stephen Shrogatz from um, Cornell University. And he studied um, basically how um, order emerges from chaos in nature. So <laughs> studied like crickets, birds, and fish, and uh, how organisms tend to coordinate without central authority and without control functions and control units like the brain. And so actually, again, I, I don't have sort of like a notes on consciousness and whether Bitcoin is conscious. I just wanted to point out actually that because Bitcoin has such a clear consensus rule, rules and that those clear consensus rules uh, are, are basically public to everyone, people can congregate around it. It's the same thing like uh, a school of fish basically uh, does. So there's no brain or central authority that uh, coordinates fish. They have three simple rules that drive them. And one of them is stay together. The other is if there's danger, get out of the way. And then three, stay close to your friends. So those are uh, basically uh, the like spont sp there's spontaneous order emerging from chaos, simple rules without central authority, often not creating a separate being, but just uh, again following the the few public rules that are available to uh, to everyone i'd love to i'll send this group uh somehow this uh, uh there's a cool video on it uh, on how things in nature sync up and it's just amazing and i think people around bitcoin do the same thing like that school of uh, fish do 
if there is danger, you get out of the way, get back to following consensus rules. And it ends up appearing that, uh, you know, millions of people were acting in sort of like a coordinated organism. Uh, but, <laughs> the you know, as a matter of fact, it, there may not be an organism. But anyways, this is a really interesting topic and <laughs> happened to have been the five minutes but I called in for. This is, this is kind of funny. I'll, I'll, I'll ping over to your article. Uh, on, on, on this, uh, I think it's an interesting topic of, of how uh, order emerges from chaos. And how maybe consciousness emerges from unconsciousness and from some kind of structure. How did we get down that part of the rabbit hole? Like, I, I guess this is, this is kind of a journey into the deep, dark corners of the, of the rabbit hole today. Bitcoin. You know, it's fascinating so, if, you, if you look at things from, um, of like complexity theory and things like that like bitcoin is is an emergent property right so you've got this very complex system which is the global economy you've got all these nodes of people and bitcoin is like the black swan emergent property that nobody could have predicted and it's coordinating all this human energy just like gabor was saying in a way that we've never seen before it's pretty interesting from like uh that that viewpoint right hold on so you're basically saying that like bitcoin toxicity is us being a school of fish when an enemy comes around we kind of get toxic otherwise we stick with our friends and no i'm just <laughs> i have it in my coffee yes. adam understand it's part of nature yes <laughs> <laughs> no, no it, it, it really is like you need to sort of uh stick together when an enemy comes in a way get out of the way come back to formation that's like literally their science to it i've uh, i'm gonna tweet this link actually it's really interesting if you have 20 minutes to watch but yeah uh. all right we've got dr jeff up here too welcome dr jeff Not hey. sure if you want to weigh in on all this <laughs> now that we changed the the title i mean it, it's fair game right so <laughs> I, I love it Geek, geeking out on bitcoin is like one of the best things to to do one of the greatest ways to spend your day so this is a fun conversation I'm, I'm learning from you guys it's really fun um yeah i guess a, a couple of thoughts i had on that is i agree uh tomer you're talking about bitcoin being uh similar to the brain and, and neurons and, and similar function i agree i would my only caveat i would add you know, as a physician is that it's it's a much more resilient brain. The brain is actually pretty uh, susceptible to damage and doesn't heal very well relative to other organs. And I know you know that. Uh, but Bitcoin is just so, so resilient and anti-fragile uh, in contradistinction to, to a human brain. Uh, the other thing is, um, what's I going to say? Oh, Bitcoin as basically a, a monetary social network um, is, I think most people focus on lowercase Bitcoin, the asset and its price fluctuations, but the capital B Bitcoin, the monetary network is so much more interesting and that's what's changing the world. Um, and so the more people go down the rabbit hole, they, they, the more they understand what this thing is, that it's so much bigger and it's so much more profound and you can take it in so many different directions. I think that's part of the reason why so many people are kind of confused, why newbies get confused about Bitcoin, is they hear some people talking about it as like property rights and some people talking about it as digital real estate. Some people talking about it as better money, you know, and, and you can go on and on and on. You can, you can do analogy after analogy of what the, this social construct is. Um, but but it's, uh, it's just fascinating to talk about. I, I literally think there are going to be fields of study just on what this organism really is. 
you know, how can an inanimate uh, protocol be be uh, living and and yet it is living, and it's because it's composed of uh, it has this social aspect to it. Humans are involved with it, but we're all kind of drawn together and incentivized to move in the same direction and to protect ourselves. Uh, and and we want to grow bigger, kind of like the blob from the 1950s movies. That you know, the more you throw at it, the more it's attacked. How the dare you call gets- my friend inanimate? Okay. <laughs> Not very nice, Doctor Jeff. Right on, Brecky. Yeah, man. Uh, it, I mean, it's awesome, right? And I mean, this is the age. This is the digital age, and that's why this is the the premier pristine asset for the digital age. It's you know, gold. Uh, gold did a commendable job during the analog age, but we live in different times now, and so Bitcoin is just the, it's in the perfect place for the perfect time. It was created for such a time as this. So I love being a part of it. I love t- telling people about it, and uh, and good morning to everybody. Those are my thoughts. I'm kind of surprised we haven't seen someone try to marry Bitcoin yet. Like, you know, those, those like wacky news stories where like woman in Oregon tries to marry her armchair or something like that. I'm waiting for like uh, Gigi marries the Bitcoin blockchain. I'm wondering how long that's going to take. So that video that Gabor was talking about, um, it's on YouTube. I made a, a tweet and I posted it in the nest if anybody in the audience wants to take a look. I, I just want to add on to what Dr. Jeff was saying. I have another piece coming out. It's, it's going to be in the Bitcoin Times edition four, um, and and we don't have a publication date yet, but it's probably going to be uh, sometime in late November, maybe, or maybe early December. And my piece is called The Being That Changed Everything, and it's about Bitcoin. And, uh, and it looks at Bitcoin as though it's this living companion for the human race. And uh, I think the first sentence, I can't find it right now because I'm on this chat, but it's like uh, in in the year 2009, a new being began being on the planet Earth. And uh, and it just it, it talks about um, how how Bitcoin is alive and this and uh, this in the symbiotic relationship between itself and and the human race and uh, and in symbiosis. It's. It's benevolent and benef- and beneficial to humanity. So I don't want to spoil it because it's a fun story and it's only about twenty five hundred words or so. So I'll save it for when it does come out. But it, it definitely lines right up with what you were saying, uh, Doctor Jeff Ross. I don't know how you would prefer me to address you, Doctor. Pleb is fine. Pleb Jeff. <laughs> that sounds good. Doctor Pleb. <laughs> I've called him all three at one point. Not never Doctor Pleb, but. Jeff, Dr. Jeff, Dr. Ross. Dr. Plub would be the new one. You should probably change your, your name to that, uh, Dr. Plub. <laughs> I might. I feel like it's kind of become my persona. Do you guys ever feel like that? Like who we are on Twitter is almost like our stage name now, and you kind of get into character when you come here? Or is that just me? No, definitely not just you. I mean, that's how I started off on Twitter. I was actually a character, and then I had to transition to being a, a serious person. Quite yeah. quite a long time, long time ago. Apple, what do you, what do you, what's your hype before you get into character? Being an Apple's got to be a little bit more difficult than what we're tasked with. Well, first, I imagine that I have a real mustache because you know, <laughs> I don't actually have one of those. Um, and then I act like I, you know, just took a bunch of orange pills. Uh, that gets me pretty hyped up. I gotcha. So you uh, you harness that core energy, do you? Yes, precisely the core <laughs> energy. <laughs> okay. 
Sorry, just wanted to try to make a little joke there. Welcome, Bad Wolf. How are you this morning? Hey, good morning. I was just um, trying to scroll way down into my Facebook feed, trying to find something that I posted for friends and family, you know, like at the beginning of this year, but it takes forever to get down there. I don't even, maybe I'm just dumb and don't know how to search or something, but um, but no, this this has been a great uh, conversation this morning. I've been thinking about, uh, you know, why Bitcoin is hope for me and, um, you know, what I'd kind of posted and shared with, with friends and family was basically um, Bitcoin is is sort of like a cheat code um, in for for your time. So, you know, one of the things that I that I learned as I was um, going for an MBA was was the time value of money. Uh, that that's like a crucial concept, and and uh, business is understanding that time has a monetary value to it. And you know what what really happens with the fiat currency system that value gets distorted. Uh, there's all sorts of distortions that can happen, and people uh, oftentimes get exploited as a result of the time value being exploited. Now. With Bitcoin, because it's deflationary, uh, I look at it as as that cheat code, uh, as you know, some people call it a life jacket, an escape hatch. You know, it's all sorts of things. But basically, what it does is it helps you preserve your time value. And you know, our time value—that's our—that means so much. It means something different for everyone. But you know, for me, my time value means time that I get to spend with my loved ones. I get to spend with my children. You know, just doing very human things, um, not just trying to survive, uh, especially against a wave of inflation. I mean, that's that's a very tough thing for average uh, households to have to deal with, you know, the rising price of food. And, you know, so now you have to make a decision of whether maybe you have to go get another job, like a second part time job or something just to start make, meeting basic necessities. And that, of course, takes away your time. From your family, so the the way so that goes back to Bitcoin. Um, I personally have found that since I've gone down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and have made um, you know commitments to Bitcoin, you know, like in investments and uh, just you know trying to do my own my own version of Bitcoin because everybody has their their own version of Bitcoin, but me doing my own version of Bitcoin. I feel has positioned me personally to be able to reclaim my time, uh, to not have to work at jobs that I don't necessarily want to work at. Uh, I can I can choose to work at jobs that I feel like I'm contributing something to society. Um, you know, I you know that has a vision that I believe in, um, and and now I'm actually looking at at Bitcoin jobs because you know it's like it's it's one thing to talk and, and enjoy about and enjoy something like Bitcoin and to have, you know, optimistic uh, prospects for the future, but to actually get involved at every level possible. Like I said, everyone has their own way of doing Bitcoin, um, but that's but that's my kind of my view of my perspective. So it's it's definitely had been a very um, it's it's made me or allowed me to rethink how I spend my time. Yeah, it's freedom, baby. Yeah, freedom, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I um I had a thought this morning, right? Like freedom is 
not just having the power to choose, but choosing. You have to choose freedom, and uh, and you have to choose Bitcoin, right? Like, I, and that that's what makes it. That's the first step in making it freedom money. That you have to actually choose it. You have to exercise your freedom to make it your money, and you can also exercise your freedom to not do so. And Tober, I think you're spot on. I just I just shared an old tweet of mine that's probably my favorite tweet. And it's it just captures this, you know, it's like every every currency out there people are born into. And I think eventually the choice will become almost not a choice with Bitcoin, but still technically a choice. You know, it'll always be something that you, you can opt in or opt out of. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. Right. So Ant put me in touch the other day with one of the guys who's working on uh, spaces for Twitter. Thanks for that, Ant. He's been in contact with me and uh, anybody who has feedback that wants to kind of run that to this guy. Everybody send a DM to Stranger Than Fiction here. She's up here as a speaker and let her know what your what your number one and number two requested feature or change or whatever with spaces would be. And we'll provide that feedback to him. Uh, Brecky, yeah, I, I just also shared uh, a tweet in the nest that that I posted today about choice. Uh, it's part of a tweet thread, but the part of it which says, uh, which refers to this as, "I have freely chosen it under no duress or compulsion from anyone. I have chosen Bitcoin freely, and the path to freedom begins with freely choosing." I've linked it to one of my articles, the first one in my in my book, actually, uh, called "Why Bitcoin: The Series," and that article is called "Why Choose Bitcoin." And the whole thesis behind it, the reason you should choose Bitcoin is because it needs you to choose it. And it'll get better and better and better until everyone in the world chooses it, which is not something that the dollar tries to do, and it's not something that gold could do. But let's get back to science fiction. What's all this normal, present-day <laughs> stuff we're talking about? Oh, geez, you have Tom, to look you know, at the title. Why does it always have to be about, about, about science fiction and, like, like... Yeah, sorry. No, you're well, doing a Morty. That's terrific. Shut up, Morty. <laughs> you weren't invited to this basis. Uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, geez. Have you all have you all read Tomer's Tomer's latest piece? It's really like it's more sci-fi than I am. Well, we'll we'll definitely have to get um I'm I'm inspired to write much more science fiction about uh about Bitcoin now. I was actually talking about another concept, which I don't quite know if it's, it's definitely takes place in the near future, but I don't know if I would quite call it science fiction uh, this morning. So these ideas do keep coming fast and furious. I've been spending a ton of time, you know, part of what I do as a macro investor is try to take a step back and, and look at where the world is going and look at big secular trends, which to me is just super interesting. And it also makes for good investing because if you can generally, uh, you know, climb aboard a secular growth trend, uh, you do pretty well as an investor, even if you're not a great stock picker. Um, the trend and the tailwinds of that trend kind of push you along. I spend a lot of time thinking about why it is that boomers, kind of the older generation, and even some, I'm a Gen Xer, why some Gen Xer friends have a tough time with Bitcoin. And it's the, the same people have a tough time in general with almost everything digital. And so I, I continue to think that we're at this major historical transition point right now between the analog age and the digital age. 
And older folks, you know, bless their hearts, they just have a tough time assigning value to anything that's digital, right? You can't touch it. You can't feel it. Like Peter Schiff says, you, you can't drop it and it makes a sound, sound money. It, it's, it's not hard. Like it doesn't hurt you if it hits you uh, like gold does. That's why he's always pushing. Those are the goofy things he says all the time. Sorry, my phone's going off. Um, but the, the convergence of all of these different factors in the digital age, I think, are super fascinating. Like I said, Bitcoin, you know, was created in 2009 for such a time as this. It's for the digital age. We're starting to see things, you know, obviously the Internet was what started to usher this in and microprocessors, all that kind of stuff, the sovereign individual type concepts. Um, but then on top of that, you know, now, now we're talking about the metaverse. We, we uh, Boomers have a hard time understanding social networks. Why do these things have value? Why don't you just go out and meet a friend for coffee? Why would you sit on you know, Twitter or Facebook or something? Um, how can money have value uh, if, if all it is is di a digital construct that doesn't make sense? Um, but for those, you know, for my age and younger who kind of get it, uh, it, it, it makes total sense and it's super interesting. And how, how can something be a, a quote, living organic organism, even though it's digital? That doesn't make any sense. Kind of what Tomer were talking about before with the sci-fi kind of stuff. Like Bitcoin is a living organism and it incorporates humans into it, but yet it's inanimate. You know, it's just code. Like what, what, how can it possibly be living? But yet it kind of is, mm -hmm. you know, how, how can other like universes sort of exist? Um, when they don't exist and you can't see them. So I, it's, to me, all of this stuff is just super, super fascinating. I think we're at the very early days of it. I think 100 years from now, we're going to look back or you know, our great-grandkids are going to look back and they're going to be like, yeah, it was super obvious. This is when we transitioned to the digital age and that's when everything changed. And it will be, it'll make total sense to them and they actually will have a hard time understanding the analog age, I think. So just sci-fi thoughts for you. No, th those are great. Those are awesome. And I, I feel the same way. I, I feel... I feel that I'm somehow a little bit blessed or touched or cursed that that's part of my uh, psychological projection uh, exists in that future state. Because if you told me that Bitcoin was not alive, I'd look at you like if you told me that my dog was not alive. You know, of course it is. <laughs> it, absolutely, it absolutely is. And, it, and you say, well, it's made out of this inanimate code. Well, my dog is made out of inanimate carbon, hydrogen and oxygen. Look, we may be we may yeah, be autonomous, autonomous, automatons, big, but we are glorious automatons. Okay, we're so just starting to get a bunch of people asking to come up and talk, and so we're going to start rotating through. We're going to let the new speakers uh, ask a question or add, and then if you're on the panel and you want to respond to them, let's do a hand so we're not running over each other. Acid, good morning. Hey, Alex. Yeah, I'm, I'm, so sorry, got... real quick. I've got a jet, but I just want to say thank you all for for breakfast this morning. I'll catch you all later. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Take it easy for some more coffee. All <laughs> uh, right, so we have Noodle Hello. and uh, Young Crypto and Acid. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hey there. Hey there. Just wants to. Hey. Uh, sorry, I'm just gonna pick on on what Dr. Jeff uh, Ross just said about uh, Bitcoin being. Um, a living organism without being a living organism. I think um, if you think about praxeology, um, actually Bitcoin becomes a mass conscious because it actually is representing really our true choices. Of course. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that's a good way to look at it. 
Bitcoin is a living thing. It's, it's with each it, its heart beats with every new block that's that's effectively mined, and and uh, it's not going to die. So it's, immor- it's, it's that's why it's lifelike because it's actually immortal, and uh, you know it has it has a starting point, but probably no no ending point. I also wanted to say um, I, I watched that documentary that Toma put together and, and narrated yesterday, and it was um, it was mind blowing. And, and wanted to kind of give props to him on that. Absolutely fantastic. Thank you, man. Thank you. Yeah, we were talking about that at the beginning of this, and somehow it led to it. it that's what led to this because it, it's a, it's this projection of like a nine, eighty and ninety years from now, and that got us talking into all these sci-fi things um, here today. But thank you very much. It's, uh, it, it's just an honor to be part of of a community and to be able to share what what is so me and to have people like yourself respond and say, yeah, it moves me too. I'm on the same page. It's uh, it's really fulfilling. I mean, it literally, it, it made the the hair stand up on the on the back of my neck. It was um, it was beautiful. Um, but also on what what Jess said about kind of older generations as well, how you know if they can't touch it, they don't think it's real, etc. I do think that is that's definitely the case for um, the vast majority of that generation. But I mean, I, I can speak from personal experience that my wife's grandmother, who is um, eighty one years old. You know, she was one of the first people to get on computers. She was one of the first people to get an iPad. Um, she's a hodler now too, because you know she. I, I've been yapping on it about it for you know the, the best part of eight or nine years, and finally something, something sort of um, you know, something went off in her head, and and sort of July last year, um, she wanted to get on board. But the problem is, although she you know she knows how to operate a, a mobile phone and iPad. I don't expect someone of her age to to know how to do cold storage and stuff like that. So you can you can take them to a certain level, but when it comes to actually you know holding the keys to her Bitcoin, will I look after that for her? So there, it, it's one thing getting people to sort of understand Bitcoin and almost embrace Bitcoin. It's another thing educating them on the next step, i.e., security and and you know uh, custodying your own keys, basically. Yeah, good point, Noodle. And that's a level of responsibility that most people just aren't used to taking, right? I mean, the the current age that we live in, if anything ever goes wrong, you can call somebody, you can call customer service and complain and say, hey, something happened, give me my money back, I want a refund. You just, you can't do that with self-custody. It's a, it's a totally different level of responsibility. And so with that, you know, comes with with that great responsibility you gotta you gotta learn you gotta get educated you have to take safe you gotta safeguard yourself you gotta do tons of things so kudos to you for getting your um your grandma on board man that's pretty fantastic though i tell you i come from my dad my just my dad who's pushing 80 now he's been like anti-computer since like you know the 90s he never thought it would catch on so that's what that's the household i grew up in the internet is just a fad it'll never catch on computers are just a fad so it took me a long time to separate myself from that and start to be able to see where trends are going and, and to get into this new digital digital age concept. I mean, to be honest, she she just embraces it. She embraces the internet full stop. She's been pr- playing bridge online for the past ten years, and and she just you know she'll 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 basically embrace anything that that can kind of help her. But uh, and onto your other point about sort of you know all, all these generations and times are changing and kind of etc. I just think that. Uh, I think you're so right and i think you know 
20 years from now, you're going to have you know, everyone that's living, I would assume, would, would have touched the Internet, would have, you know, used the Internet. And everyone that's, in, you know, of a younger generation, this will be second nature to them. Like you said, they won't know about banks. They won't know about physical currency. All they'll know is digital currency. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is, you know, um, more dystopian things like CBDCs, etc. But, you know, please, God, that, that they'll know more about Bitcoin <clears throat> and it will just be second nature to them. They, they won't know anything else. Well, speaking of the younger generation, young crypto, you are joining us this morning and I've heard you speak in a couple other spaces. Do you have any thoughts you'd like to share with us this morning? Uh, I mean, we were talking about uh, getting other people into it. I mean, I've gotten like, you know, my parents into it, sisters, friends. And it's just cool to see everybody grow and get more educated and get deeper in it. How, if you don't mind me asking, how, how old are you? Oh, 12. Jesus, that, that, that's amazing. And uh, it, it's so interesting to hear insights from, from someone your age. What, what do your friends think about kind of um, Bitcoin and, and digital currencies and that and whatnot? I mean, most of them think it's pretty cool, but, you know, a lot of them don't really have the money to invest in it, you know. So, yeah. Can I ask you, Young Crypto, did, you, did you have a chance to watch the movie that's up in the nest that I released yesterday? Because I've been getting a lot of feedback from younger audiences. And I'm curious uh, no. if you've seen it. I'll have to watch it, though. Yeah, so please watch. Uh, if you scroll uh, to the first or second uh, one, I guess the first one, Bit, uh, Bitcoin is generational wealth. My, my nest isn't showing up properly, but I think that's that's the one there. It's a 15-minute film. Uh, send me, shoot me a direct message after you get a chance to watch it. I'm really, I'm really curious because I've had a lot of people tell me that they showed it to their kids and their kids were really fascinated by it. So this may actually be something that you could share with your friends as well once you've had a chance to look at it. But it, it look, it looks at the, in the the past before Bitcoin, the present, and it goes all the way out to the year 2109 mm -hmm. and projects what the world might look like under a Bitcoin standard. So I hope you enjoy it. That's what Scott was talking all sci-fi here today. All right, nice. So we were talking and of course we're talking about many different things this morning, sci-fi included, but um, right now kind of Bitcoin is hope. And I wonder if that resonates at all with you, young crypto, if you have any thoughts on that or feelings. I mean, I like it, but I, I also like other blockchains such as Solana, Ethereum and stuff like that because I do feel like there's utility and um, the community there for uh, those other blockchains. Would you guys want to touch on that topic about other blockchains? Yeah, it you know it's a it's a complicated topic, and I'm 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 very interested in finding a way to bridge our views. Maybe maybe you might change my mind. Maybe I might change yours. Maybe we would both learn something from it. Uh, mm -hmm. I I I have this view, and I'll I'll be candid about it, which is which is that. Bitcoin's really the only true uh, valid blockchain, not because of its community or anything, but because it's the only one that doesn't have people in charge of it capable of manipulating it, which makes it which makes it alive. We're talking here about these things being alive, which makes it alive uh, and and independent. I mean, China sure did manipulate it. Uh, I don't think so. I, I don't think China's managed to China China has managed to change the rules of Bitcoin. It hasn't managed to roll back the blockchain. 
It hasn't managed to change the supply, monetary supply of Bitcoin. All it managed to do is to slow down blocks for a couple of weeks at one point with the full strength. So that, that when I say manipulate, I mean to be able to alter its rules, to take it over, to take control of it. Mm. And, 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 that, and, and so it's independent. And, and this is why I say it's live, because nobody can take control of it. And, and I'm not an expert on all of these other blockchains, but, but I'm reasonably expert on Ethereum. And I wrote, I wrote a whole article called The Problem with Ethereum, which points out that it does have people in charge of it. And so it's not independent. And there are people who are victims of the people who are in charge of it. Uh, people who do work on it and who, you know, and, and uh, whose work is confiscated. So, uh, so I, I'm not trying to uh, persuade you right here, right now, and I don't, I, I don't want to seem unfair <laughs> uh, coming at you. Uh, I, I want to, I, I'd like to treat it gentle. But if you get a chance to read my article called "The Problem with Ethereum," after you've watched my video of hope, um, I'd be, I'd then be curious about your your views on on some of these things in a future uh, session when we all get together. And again, I'm very happy to engage in a direct message uh, dialogue with you as, as well. But but to me, the, the magic of this thing is it's, it's true decentralization. It's true independence from having any human being who could be corrupted take it over. And we were talking earlier, I don't know how long you've been, we were, t- we were comparing it a lot to different characters in the Marvel universe. Um, and I, I view it as, as the good guy, and I, and I worry that some of these other things may have these bad guy features, these villain features in them where somebody is all-powerful and in charge and, and takes advantage of people who, who buy in ultimately. All right. Um, what are your thoughts on metaverses? Early days. Um, I'm a big fan of the novel that introduced the term metaverse. The novel is called Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, and, and the, the hero of that novel is called hero protagonist. And that's the avatar, that's this pseudonym that I use on telegram and on the Bitcoin course Slack. So, so I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea. I'm, I'm not necessarily anywhere near persuaded that uh, the Mark Zuckerberg vision that he's renamed his company after is something that I'm interested in being a part of. It's too, it's too low res. Um, I, I, I think, I think I, I'd want to discuss this with you after you see the movie, because I really envision a future where we're living in nature in harmony with nature uh, and, and enjoy uh, not disconnect from the digital world, but enjoy nature more so than we are already right now. And so my my personal focus is directed more at living in harmony with nature and the planet than uh, retreating to uh, an artificial universe. And, I'm, and that's not for me to say that I'm judging those who do negatively. I'm just maybe it's maybe it's my age here, but it's uh, but I think it's also my hope that there's we're we are organic beings, and I, I and I know that inter- interacting with the organic and real universe is more stimulating and more real, and and stimulates more of my senses, like my breathing fresh air, smelling the flowers, tasting food. None of these things are going to happen in the metaverse, probably for a very very long time. And even just being able to move my arms and legs and toes and feel things on my toes is not something I'm going to experience in the metaverse soon. So for me, 
if I have a choice of experiencing one thing or the other, I want the full sensory experience, not just uh, a couple of screws mm-hmm. attached to my eyeballs. It's my yeah, and I can tell you one thing, Young, as well. In, in Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse, um, you won't be transacting in Bitcoin. You'll be um, transacting in some sh- altcoin um, that, that Facebook have put together, like Diem or something. Yeah. And, and to touch on what Thomas said as well, I'm not a massive fan of VR. Um, I think AR, which is augmented reality, is a lot better, where you actually get out and sort of, you know, it's a hybrid of the real world and technology mm-hmm. together. Um, um, I think the metaverse... Have Pardon? you heard of MR? What's it's MR? like a combination of VR and AR. What is it? What does no, it stand for in MR? I'm not really sure. I've been hearing like a lot of people talk. Make the reality. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Someone, someone jumped in with what it stood for. What was that? Sorry, it's mixed, oh, mixed reality. I, I really would prefer something more along those lines. Like I, I find when I have my VR headset on, which is increasingly less fre- frequent, it's like I'm blocked off from the real world. I bump it, you know. I need that. I need the virtual uh, uh, barrier around me, and I do bump into things, and I don't know what's happening around me in the real world. So the idea of mixed, like to be able to enhance my world, is much more interesting to me than to run uh-huh. away from, run away, run away from it, or hide, or hide within it. Um, and, and, you know, I'll say something that I said before, cause you weren't here in the, in the book, snow crash, uh, which, which is the one that created the, the, the term metaverse, people go into the metaverse because the civilization around them is dreary. It's dystopian. It's a, America has collapsed and the CIA has become a private institution and people work for it, monitoring and surveilling other people. So it's, it's almost like where we are today. It's like a few years ahead of where we are today. Uh, and and the people and the, the companies that control the internet and this was ahead of the time the the heads of those companies are the villains in in this novel, which is kind of like wh- where we are headed to uh, in our current reality. So it's it's a very interesting story, and I really recommend uh, reading it. It might be a little challenging for you at twelve, but you know if you're you, you seem to be able to handle uh, understanding cryptocurrency and different blockchains, so you you, you probably might be able to. Get- to get to get through it but i think it's really it's really interesting to inform yourself about it but here we're not living in quite you know it's nice outside still uh you you can go outside and it's safe um and it's it's not it hasn't quite gotten yet so i i think like to continue to work to save the outdoors and to save uh the the pleasantness of of out of the metaverse life is something that's very, very important to me. And I think it's very important to Bitcoiners, or at least to very much to the Bitcoiners who have been here today reacting to the to the film that we've been talking about. Okay, so just going to jump in here real quick. <clears throat> Thanks, Young, for coming up, man. Really appreciate you being willing to come up and ask your questions and talk to us about stuff. Um, we've got a couple more speakers, and we're going to be wrapping up here in about 15 minutes. So let's yeah. continue moving through. Uh, Peter, I'm, gonna gonna have to, I'm, I'm actually going to have to leave. I'll, if, if Peter's question is to me, I'll stick around for it. But otherwise, I'll I'll take off. Thanks, everybody. I gotta go too. I'm being asked to come up in a, the O shiny chat. All right. Well, thanks for joining us. Yeah, young. Have a good day, man. <laughs> Peter, good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Um, first of all, 
I'd like to, if Young's still there, I, I want to know if he's uh, created his lightning node or not yet. He was on a, in another uh, space and someone was challenging him to create a lightning node. And I just think it's awesome. The other thing I wanted to say is I'm, I'm the perfect bookend for this. Cause I'm a, I'm a, I'm a boomer. I got into Bitcoin about a year ago and have been going down the rabbit hole. And I want to thank all of you for uh, creating these spaces and enabling um, people like me to continue to learn and to listen and to hear things. And it's, it's really amazing. Um, uh, Tomer, I, I did watch your movie and um, I thought it was, um, I, I don't want to get uh, yelled at, but it was, it was, a, it had a fantastical kind of build to it. And I thought it was really great. And what was really interesting was, it wasn't what I expected at all. Um, and it really gave kind of the, the, the social side of, of Bitcoin. And I was listening to a Robert Breedlove interview yesterday, and he was talking about how there's uh, morality is tied to sound currency. And it was just, it really kind of blows my mind, this, this kind of thing. But what I really wanted to comment on was what uh, Dr. Jeff said um, about boomers. And I think I can comment on that from my own experience. Um, there are digital hearing, hearing about Bitcoin being alive and, and a living kind of entity is, is something that boomers can actually, um, in the legacy world associate with, because they always talk about the United States constitution as being a living document and it continues to grow and evolve over time. I think that's a way to kind of enable, um, boomers to be able to connect to this kind of thing. If people are interested in trying to get, um, the older generation interested in uh, this this new technology and this new kind of way that that life is going in the future. Um, for me personally, because I've spent my entire life climbing this this legacy mountain over here to to achieve what I thought was financial stability. Um, and now I'm looking across the valley and I'm seeing that, oh, well, I, I kind of went up the wrong mountain. I mean, I didn't do it knowingly, but obviously I've gone up the wrong mountain. And now I have to down climb this one and climb up the other one. And I think that's a lot of the resistance that that pe that boomers have to having to do this because they've spent an entire lifetime kind of following this path. And now suddenly they have to turn around and it creates a lot of fear. and. I've just started self-custodying, and and um, that is a, also a very fearful experience. And I think uh, Dr. Jeff nailed it when he said that you know in the legacy system we're used to being able to have our hands held and you know have somebody there to help me go through this process. And I've also uh, just in the last year uh, repurposed. I retired and I repurposed, and I'm uh, now a junior developer. And I find it very difficult. I find it very easy to do pair programming. Um, and sometimes the person that I'm pair programming with doesn't really say anything. They're just there. And there's this comforting aspect to that. And it's been, it's, it's really been um, an, an evolution for me to be able to move forward and try to discover things on my own. And I think that's one of the things that the boomers run into with technology in general right. is this just fear of doing things, fear of clicking, fear of pushing buttons, fear that they're going to get things incorrect. And yeah. I just want to thank you guys. Can, can I just jump in on that, Peter? I, I have to run, but I, I really, I really respect the, what, what you said. Like we've all grown up in a, in a nanny 
state where our hands are held, we're, we're taken care of, but we have to trust. And, and the whole reason this movement is happening, this transition is happening, is because it turns out trust can be betrayed. And so we need to build a trustless system to prevent that trust from being betrayed. But, and this is the point you're making, being responsible for everything on your own is scary, especially since we haven't had to do it on our own. And it, it and and I think this is this is what causes. I totally agree. This is what causes so much of the fear to come over. It's like now I have to be responsible for myself. I can't just trust the bank. I can't trust that if the bank fails, that the government will save them. I can't trust that if the government saves them, somebody else will come in and and save me. You know, it it it's on you. And this is what nature is like, right? In nature, nothing takes care of you. <laughs> you you hope that this you find prey. You hope that you find. Uh, that, that as a hunter gatherer you find food, uh, but you you have to find it yourself. You are responsible for feeding yourself. You're responsible for taking care of yourself. There isn't a state. There isn't a bank. There isn't a corporation uh, to help you. So we've invented all these wonderful things. So now come to a point where some of these things are corrupt, and in some of these cases we have to fend for ourselves once more. We've come full circle, and uh, and relearning that responsibility is a tough thing to do. But my point of optimism is here is it's in you as a human being to be responsible because that's our state of nature. And uh, it's a little, it seems a little harsh and terrifying when we haven't exercised that muscle, when we haven't taught ourselves. If you were never taught to walk when you were put in a wheelchair your whole life, you might be scared of walking right now, but you have it in you. And and that's that would be my message around self-custody and self-responsibility. You can learn to do this. And you can learn to feel comfortable doing it just as you feel comfortable walking now. Um, and initially, when you were learning to walk, it was a scary experience. You had to hold on to things. You fell down. You slipped. <laughs> you busted your lip open or whatever happened to you as a kid. But you don't remember that anymore. You you just get up and walk and uh, because you're responsible for it and nobody can do it for you. And you don't rely on somebody else to do it for you. And you'll be able to do the same thing with a little bit of practice in Bitcoin. With that. And I'd also... Um, to, to sort of add on to what Simon was saying, you know, with, with great responsibility gr- comes great power, right? And for for the longest time, that responsibility has been with the banks and the legacy financial system, and they have had all that power. And now it's time for that, you know, that responsibility to be distributed and, and with it, you know, power, you know, to each and every one of us. Um, if we're in control of our money and we're not, um, you know, reliant on on these powers that be then then it's going to make for a much better society peter do you have any uh follow-up comments or thoughts um no just thank you for allowing me to uh to come up and speak and you can drop me off and let somebody else up appreciate it yeah you're welcome thanks for coming up this morning have a great day now hey thanks for doing this uh, everybody this has been fascinating i've been listening for a while and um i watched the uh video on youtube yesterday amazing and i think making the point that the more energy we use basically the better off we are and there's not enough people talking about that um a couple other quick things i wanted to say um a noodle talked about helping the boomers and um there's an interesting video on youtube the title is 90 year old investor grills bitcoin expert and it's actually from 2017 middle part of the year and it was my dad um interviewing um adam meister the bitcoin meister and he was 90 years old at the time 
he was buying Bitcoin and holding it with a strong hand. Um, he unfortunately passed away last December, uh, but he was still holding strong his Bitcoin and um, and had a, a plan in place uh, for it to be passed on. So um, I guess what I want to say is um, some of the boomers out there are starting to get it and they're coming in with money. And right now, $56 million worth of Bitcoin um, is uh, is changing hands every day is create a new Bitcoin, right? So uh, that's a lot of Bitcoin being absorbed into the system. So I think boomers are the ones coming in and buying a lot of that Bitcoin. Uh, just, just, just food for thought. Of course, some miners are keeping Bitcoin that they're mining, but a lot of that is being absorbed into the system every day, and that's that's real money. Yeah, I, I think that you know, I, I look at my my mum, for instance, um, who I've also um, you know managed to to make a hodler, and their generation, so kind of you know like the boomer generation, she is, um, you know they they get a lot of their facts from, you know, mainstream media, be that the newspapers, the TV, and they take a lot of what they read or see on TV as gospel. And for the longest period of time, all these articles on Bitcoin have been extremely negative. It's all been terrorists, pedophiles, you know, they've tried to disparage Bitcoin as much as they can. So a lot of that boomer generation are very much reliant on, you know, that kind of mainstream media and the, the, the information they're getting on Bitcoin you know, it, it is kind of overwhelmingly kind of negative. The tide is, you know, slowly starting to turn. But, you know, that that's what I see from, from my own parents. Yeah, I, I think that narrative, though, only holds up so long. And, and when, when the media overdoes things, eventually it becomes obvious what they're doing. And I think they've, they've pushed too far on that whole thing. And I think a lot of people are starting to wake up. A lot of boomers are starting to wake up. And that's the only explanation I have for Bitcoin being able to maintain, you know, what's it, $63,000 right now? I mean, that's that, that, this is real money now coming in. This, this isn't people signing up and buying $20 worth of Bitcoin. This is people like Michael Saylor coming in and buying $100 million worth of Bitcoin uh, that is sustaining this market. At least that's my opinion, and we'll see as it goes forward. But I, I think the real money, I think the boomer money is coming in. And I think they're buying from weak hands from folks, from younger folks that have had the Bitcoin for a while and just they, they their hands are just a little bit weak. All right. So we got a couple minutes left. Um, we're going to let Peter go again. If Ben Herring gets up here, we'll let him go and then we'll go to closing remarks. Peter, go ahead. I just wanted to make a quick comment on what Craig was saying. Um, when I grew up, my parents hodled nickels and dimes and that's how they acquired wealth. And I learned from them to do that. Unfortunately, the, the fiat uh, experiment has destroyed one's ability to hodl nickels and dimes. And now I'm hodling where, 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 where I can store that value and where I can, um, uh, again, acquire wealth. It's just I understand now that I'm hodling something different. And I think that's another way to talk about this with, with boomers is you can't hodl nickels and dimes anymore, but you can hodl this thing over here, and not only will it will it increase your wealth, but it will also um, be a benefit for society as a whole. Yeah, it's also super important, I think, to just start relating to everything in sets. Talk about sets. A lot of people think they've missed the 
the the bus, so to speak, miss the boat, so to speak, because they think that the price is high and they can they can't afford a Bitcoin, right? Like if we're a Bitcoiner and we're out there trying to orange build people, I think it's pretty important nowadays to just relate to everything as much as possible when you remember to in sats. That's the way forward. So let's get closing comments. If you are on the panel right now and you have something you want to finish off with, let's see a hand and I'll call on you and we'll we'll go around. I'll just, uh, closing remark, I'll just say, um, Tomer, not here anymore, but that guy has a beautiful brain. We're talking about brains a little bit earlier. That guy's brain is very powerful, very beautiful, and uh, I really appreciate all the all the work that he puts out there. I'd like to just say that, you know, when it comes to, to Bitcoin, it, it, for, for anyone new that's listening, um, too many people see this as a kind of get-rich-quick scheme, and I, I see it as anything but that. I, I see it as a, a, a don't-get-poor-slowly scheme and uh, a fantastic savings technology and, you know, a, a, a force for good. Go ahead, Ant. Well, I just wanted to say thanks for, uh, you know, hosting the breakfast club uh alex and humble another good show tomer's video was super awesome and uh i love the dialogue around when we got really super nerdy in there about sci-fi i mean the one thing that i had said was you know i hope that bitcoin isn't self-aware and then later on somebody else was kind of riffing on that but like the one thing that made me realize that i'm happy for is that bitcoin doesn't technically have any like real directives that i know of like programmed into it that if it did become self-aware for example you know uh, i think elon musk back in the day said it might not have been him but said that you know one danger of of ai for example would be if we trained it to eliminate email spam but it determined that the only way to eliminate email spam was to eliminate humans but Earth doesn't have, I mean, uh, sorry, Earth, but Bitcoin doesn't have those type of directives. It's just like a series of conditions and rules and states. It's like, you know, every 2016 blocks that checks the difficulty makes an adjustment. Every uh, 2010 or every yeah 210,000 blocks, it, you know, halves the reward subsidy, the block reward, and uh, just keeps chugging along every 10 minutes or so with an aim to have 10 minute blocks. So long story short, I guess, parting if it does someday become self-aware uh i don't think it hurts us i think it just keeps on going all right and with that we're going to wrap for today i want to thank everybody for participating and being here thanks to all our listeners thanks to the speakers who've helped out and dropping wisdom all day thanks to sats radio for recording this is going to be posted as a podcast throw a follow if you want to be notified of when that's up thanks to humble my co-host also thanks dr jeff for helping out with that as well today um love all you guys everybody go out there have a great day crush it yeah thanks for hosting alex have a great day guys see ya